Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello there, I'm Tony Gow and you are listening to We Are West Ham Podcast. listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. And West Ham United have survived the drop. It may only be mathematical when we record this podcast, but unless some sort of mathematical miracle and a 15-goal swing, West Ham will be playing another season in the Premier League. Also, Mark Noble, Mr. West Ham, the legend himself, has made it to 500 West Ham appearances with the game against Watford on Friday night. What a man, what a hero. And to be quite honest, though, West Ham surviving relegation, Mark Noble making it to 500 West Ham appearances. I'm not sure which one is more of an achievement, but I am joined tonight by two people who are walking, talking embodiments of the word achievement, and that is James Jones and Tom Edwards. James, you first. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Still a little bit in shock about the, the result, uh, what for result, but um, came in good times. My birthday this week, so um, early celebrations. And I uh, got the rest of the week off work, so I'm happy. Do you think that's why the uh, boys put in such an effort against Watford on th- Friday night? I think so. I mean, I'm going to be 32, and I've, I've realised the other day that I'm at an age now where, although I might be a little bit over the hill from a football perspective, I'm still at an age where West Ham would still be willing to chuck 100 grand a week at me on a one-year contract. Um, <laughs> so I'm still holding out for it. Um, but yeah, I th- I'm pretty sure that's, that's why they won at the weekend and why they'll, they'll beat Man United on Wednesday. Absolutely. Football Peak might be behind you, but your podcast in prime is where you're at at the moment, 100%. Tom, talking of a man who isn't over the hill but looks it, how are you keeping? Yeah, yeah good, mate. Good, apart from the facial lid, like you've let everyone know. Um, yeah, good, mate. <laughs> keeping well. We got the three points. I was, I'm still in shock from that Declan Rice goal, to be honest with you, but my head's just about coming straight for this. So, uh, all good, mate. 
Well, look, we've got an absolutely packed show this week. We'll touch on the Declan Rice worldie then, the masterclass from the Czech Patrick Vieira, David Moyes and his comments, and he's done a brilliant job keeping the team up after what at points looked like a very doomed season. We have got a packed show this week. We've got guests galore. We will be celebrating Mark Noble's 500 appearances. That's what we'll be talking about for the majority. We've got Tony Carr, the man who brought him into West Ham's academy all those years ago. Rashane Thomas from The Athletic, friend of the podcast. We've done an outstanding feature piece on Mark Noble in The Athletic earlier this week. And of course, we will have Matt Beadle, former Man United fan show presenter of Love Sport Radio. Remember those heady days, James, of Love Sport yeah, Radio? Yeah, remember it. We'll have Matt Beadle joining us, Man United fan, former presenter of the Man United fan show on Love Sport to go through the United game tomorrow night. But lads, first, before we do Watford, and we will obviously buzz about uh, Mark Noble, we'll buzz about Declan Rice's goal and how good he is and how good David Moyes is as well. One thing I wanted to ask you just as we get going, and it isn't on the running order, so I'm springing it on you, but how do you two actually feel about staying up? Because while... You know, everyone on, on Twitter's going mad for it. I know it's different because fans aren't in the stadium at the moment. I've just found it really difficult recently to to sort of be as buzzing as everyone else. And I'm not sure... I look back at the great escape season and, and what an achievement that was. And I'm not sure whether it's because we feel like a different club now with the move, because of all the negativity around the team and the board and the protests all season, whether or not... You know, because we are promised more these days or have been promised more in the past and therefore the expectations higher, the, it, it feels a bit difficult to be oh, buzzing because we're ultimately we're going to finish 15th or 16th. I just wanted to feel out how you two felt about it because it hasn't felt the same as me for me as it has before the Great Escape season particularly. James, I'll start with you. I mean, it, it feels a lot different to previous so-called great escapes um i think that's probably because i mean we haven't really been in the bottom three for a while um i mean we weren't in the bottom three through lockdown where we? we sort of came into the resumption of football out the bottom three and and still believing that we could stay up and but that said i'm still buzzing that we're we are going to be a premier league club next season uh that this um well that's just judging that we don't have like a what a 20 goal swing on sunday um, which could still happen. Um, stranger things have happened. But I think, you know, I, th- I think we have to be pretty buzzing, given that it was a really, real, real possibility that we could have gone down. It's just good that we've, we've managed to find a little bit of form earlier. It might have been different had it gone down to the last day, like we we're all expecting against Villa, that kind of that, that shootout that we we're expecting when it stays up. But um, I think given what was at stake, you know, I think we've, we've got to be buzzing about it. It's just not transpired the way I think we're all most of these great escapes normally happen Tom I I think there will be some fans no doubt that I'm I'm sure I'm not the only one who sort of is finding it difficult to be absolutely thrilled and delighted at Mm. the fact West Ham have stayed up because it's more like well you know this we shouldn't be in this position in the first place James is is pretty pleased of course the other thing the viewing experience would have been completely different next year the idea of going down to the championship home games would have been farcical in that stadium however the you know the away games have got some the last summer in the championship was one of my most enjoyable seasons of my whole life supporting West Ham what are your what your thoughts on the whole thing overriding is relief as much as you say that in championships great journey potentially win games just the fact that we as much as the project hasn't gone the way all of us wanted and dreamed when we did make the move the fact that there's still 
we've got the option to progress and be a better club and make something of this and we don't have to restart from championship with a broken fan base, broken club, having to sell all our players, cutting the wages and being a real, real tricky situation. The fact that we've done this, I know we're right now talking about relegation, that means in turn that Susek signed the fact that just positive energy around the club, Antonio scoring goals and Noble's got the 500s, just a little bit of Relief is the overriding thing, but the fact there's a lot more to now look forward to and hopefully the potential to push on. But I'm not, I, this was the bare minimum to expect and I'm not gushing with joy, but I am on the weekend when it happened Friday. Sorry, I was unbelievably happy because there were times this season it never looked like we'd get out of this when we drew at Brighton and we had those terrible results. Roberto throwing him in his own net. It looked, it looked bad at points, but relief would say the overriding one, mate. We can go again uh, next year. I think that makes more sense. Let's just hope we do go again, of course. But on to more positive things. You mentioned the Watford game there. Jonesy, who saw it coming? Uh, you know, we had a absolutely fired out the blocks, didn't we? And it all looked hunky-dory. Oh, this is going to be absolutely brilliant. And then in sort of typical West Ham fashion, we had a little bit of a worry early in the second half. Rumours of Nigel Pearson punching one of his players at halftime have been quashed. By, uh, by most media reports this week, which of course has seen him get the sack since in a decision that shocked most of football. But on the on the Watford game, again, just a, a nice easy watch for you? Uh, no, it wasn't a nice easy watch. I'm pretty sure many fans would agree with me that uh, even at 3-0, even at uh, forget, let alone 3-1, even at 3-0, there was this sort of niggling thought in my head. I was like, we're still not safe. We haven't won this game yet. And uh, I don't think I've ever been so nervous with this, um, when we've had a two-goal cushion going into the last 20 minutes of a game than I was on Friday night. I mean, because it, it, I don't think anyone would have been surprised if we'd have thrown it away and only got a point being 3 nil up. Um, but we started so well, and um, that was a surprise. Uh, I did not... I mean, we, I think we were all saying last week we were expecting it to be a bit of a tense affair, a little bit tight, closely fought. Uh, and the biggest surprise on the night was just how poor Watford were. And... Thankfully, we've we've been able to hit a little bit of goal scoring form over the last few weeks, which we didn't see coming either. Given the the first two games after lockdown, where we you know we can really got shot on target against Wolves and and Spurs, so the fact we started scoring goals for fun, two in the first what ten minutes, and um, I think West Ham team a West Ham team maybe two months ago would have crumbled at the beginning of that second half. Um, but yeah, there was there was lots of surprises. Um, for, for both sides and it's just great that we've been able to secure Premier League safety on the back of that uh, given that about what three weeks ago we were crying after the Spurs game and thinking yeah this is it Absolutely uh, just quickly Tom Thomas Suchek had the game of his life De- again Declan Rice scores an absolute worldie he's telling uh, he told us after the game that people have been telling him to shoot or players in the squad have been telling him to shoot for ages because he's got the ability and I, I certainly find that when it went in, I remember thinking, we never, ever, ever seem to shoot from outside the box anymore. None no. of our players. Jonesy's noted it on here earlier. And I, I thought the exact same thing. It's so peculiar. But just one thing, there's a, there's a Twitter account called West Ham Clips. I'm sure you've both seen it, which posts alternative commentary after yeah. every game. And it's taken to call in Thomas Suchek, the Czech Patrick Vieira. And they are the funniest things. Just uh, anyone at home, if you haven't already, 
do go on to West Ham clips on Twitter and have a look at the alternative commentaries. They've got them for the last few games and they are absolutely hilarious. But the Czech Patrick Vieira name, which I'm sure is going to catch on, had an absolutely outstanding game against Watford. The news came out this week that the deal that we all knew was coming has, has not been signed and sealed for him to be a West Ham player permanently next season, which is good news. I assume, same as everyone else, you were absolutely buzzing that with his showing. Unbelievable. I mean, the goal obviously comes so early. What was that? Eighth minute. And the way, what a header that is. He's seen mm. it late over someone's head. He's, he's just in the right place, right time. Great ball by Bowen. But he's just given us that complete something extra for the first seven months of the season now, it must have been, whenever he signed. We had no one attacking the box. It was Haller in there on his own and maybe one of the wingers arriving too late, if anything. He's, he's got a great eye for a goal. He knows when to pick his time to get in the box. He's brilliant in the air. He's taken every chance he's had so well. He runs far. He's just been a brilliant, brilliant acquisition. And even though he's a bit gangly, uh, doesn't look the most comfortable on the ball, he actually uses the ball very well, which is another thing we needed to add to the side. We had good... He's an athlete. He's good on the ball. And I think he's really been a real massive thing in why our form has been seeing such an upturn. He's also defensively brilliant in both boxes. He just adds so much. And it's not just his height. He is a very intelligent player as well. It's can't just put it down to his aerial threat because he is, uh, he's got a lot to his game. And I think it's a steal what we're getting him for. And I think big clubs will be circling if he carries on this type of form in the next, over the next year or so. Absolutely. Bizarrely, I was contacted by a Czech Republic journalist today asking me for my professional opinion on Suchek. And I said exactly what you've said there. You know, he's had an excellent impact. I think it went a little bit under the radar before lockdown, mainly because West Ham was still so terrible. Um, and obviously the, the news cycle was dominated by lockdown and a lot of, in a lot of ways the protests before lockdown certainly and I compared him to Cheku Kuyate he's got that similar frame he's tall and lean he's, he's like you said you mentioned gangly there he does look a little bit awkward but he seems to always come out on top or with the ball and yeah if he's going to be throwing himself at headers like that then um, you know certainly good things to come Declan Rice though James his midfield partner absolute beauty of a goal from what 25 yards I think it's one of those that goes up in distance every time you talk about it so I think it was from around the halfway line um from what I can remember but a screamer but another accomplished performance from Declan you didn't have to do too much did he because like you say Watford weren't outstanding but do, do we uh confidently staying uh not confidently staying no I think the, the with every good performance he makes and, and then scoring a worldie like that means that he's going to be in the headlines he's going to continue to be linked with Chelsea um, I think one of the priorities for the club this summer needs to be to try and tie him down to a, another deal. Uh, and we've spoken about it before. I think when we spoke to Tony Cotty uh, a few weeks ago or a couple of months ago, he, he, he said ex- exactly what should happen in that, you know, even if he's going to be sold, tie him down to a new deal, protect the club, protect him, protect his contract, make sure that we get the maximum out you know, for him. Um, and I think that's what the club should be doing. Uh, I, I mean, I'm under no illusions that he's, he's going to be at the club for as long as Martin Noble has been at the club. This is not going to happen. If we can squeeze one more year out of him, uh, particularly in the form he is at the moment, I mean, he was class again on Friday night. It's been class all season, uh, and to cap it off with a goal like that. And, and you, you said it before about midfielder shooting. You know, I was thinking about five minutes before, I was like, why don't our midfielders shoot? Like, even like Fonals gets the ball in really good positions in and around the area. And he won't shoot. He tries to lay it off to the fullback doing an overlap or something. Uh, and then he pulls, pulls one out of the bag like that. So, 
Um, I still think it's going to be a nervy summer or winter, given the, the, the length of the transfer window this, this year. But um, if we can come out at the end of this transfer window in October, we're still, still in the West Ham, then I think we'll all be pretty relieved. Well, look, two midfield maestros at West Ham there, whose futures we're hoping to see in Claret and Blue for a long time. But this episode is dedicated to Mark Noble. 500 appearances in a West Ham shirt. Only the 10th player in our history to achieve such a milestone. Local boy, born in Canning Town. What an achievement it is. And like you, you mentioned earlier, the positive energy and positive vibe. That is exactly one of those things that you're talking about, isn't it? What an achievement it is for Mark. And he's had his critics, I think, this season. And he came out recently and said, look, doesn't matter to me what's on what someone on social media might say or you know I, ultimately I've made 500 appearances for the club that I loved when I was a boy I grew up around the corner and I'm still doing bits and pieces here and there now so I must be doing something right he, he's come into his own a lot hasn't he in that new position that Moyes has played him in the past couple of weeks I think where he's got someone else doing his running his technical abilities are able to come out a little bit more. And what we'll do, stick with us next, because for the rest of the episode, or for the vast majority, it's going to be a Mark Noble loving, which of course will please James Jones. But next we've got Rashane Thomas from The Athletic, who, as we mentioned earlier, did an outstanding feature on Mark in The Athletic in the week. And he had quotes from loads of people, former teammates, coaches. Tony Carr was one of them, who's a guest on the show later tonight. And his managers and the standout quote from Gianfranco Zola compared Mark Noble's football intelligence with that of Andrea Perlo. It did get a lot of stick on Twitter, but I think James Jones was heartily defending him as I knew that he would. So stick with us for the Mark Noble loving next. You are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. We've got a packed show full of guests tonight on the Mark Noble loving. And the first one is a friend of the show. We're delighted to have him back. It's the Athletics' very own Rashane Thomas, West Ham correspondent. Rashane, it's nice to see you. And we've called you in for one reason and one reason alone. Not because you dug me out for my hat as soon as you got on the podcast, but for your outstanding piece on Mark Noble, the feature you did for the Athletic leading up to his 500th game against Watford on last Friday night. Outstanding quotes in it, Rashane. The standout one we've touched on already on the pod was Gianfranco Zola <laughs> comparing Mark to Andrea Perlo. Uh, it got a bit of stick on Twitter. Uh, we said already that James Jones, I think, one of the, was one of the ones defending him to the hilt, saying, if anything, he's better. But a uh, <laughs> brilliant piece. What did you make of... Um, how was it putting that together? Because I know you've been working on it for a long time. And, uh, yeah, what do you make of Noble on, well, on the just, whole? Well, just touching on the Zola quote first, I actually answered that question twice because when it's a Perla, I thought, maybe, maybe I'm getting like, the pronunciation wrong. Maybe you met someone else. So I asked him again for Perla. I was thinking, okay, fair, decent Perla. I mean, great, great quote for me, so no worries at all. No worries at all, do you think? But, yeah, I mean, I've been working on that piece in the background since September. So I think it was the best part of, what, nine months I spent working on that piece. So a very long time, man. Mark Noble actually made his uh, his 500 career appearance against Arsenal, and my boss was like, "Like, why are we not doing a piece on like this? Like, like what are we doing?" I was like, like "Don't worry, we've got something better up our sleeves. Like, something's really good, so we can skip this one because there's gonna be a really big one to start around the corner." So yeah, I mean, it was really fun putting putting it together. Spoke to um, I actually spoke to 30 people on total, so eight. Hey, yeah, yeah, eight didn't make the final cut. We had to we had to trim it down a bit. So eight didn't make the final cut. So yeah, a lot of people. So yeah, it was really good to hear everyone talk about Mark Noble and how well he's done. You know, the overriding thing I got from it was like 
how much of a leader he is. With like new signings like Jordan Hugo and Nicky Maynard, how welcoming he was to the club. I think around that time when Nicky was at the club, it wasn't even Nolan who was captain. It was Kevin. Sorry, it wasn't Mark Noble who was captain. It was Kevin Nolan. Mm. So stuff like that really impressed me. And I guess the bit I found tough writing was the whole England section and the fact he never had a cap for the senior team, which I think just outrageous, really, when you think about it. So, yeah, I really enjoyed putting it together. So, I obviously got a great reaction, which, you know, it's a really, really nice feeling as well. Roshane, you just touched on the early England thing, and I, I still find it one of the biggest injustices in, in, in English football that he's not even had a call-up, given the service he gave the under-21s, captain the under-21s for so many years, and he, he wasn't even given a call-up, let alone a cap. And, um, obviously... It made up quite a large part of your feature piece on on Noble, and I was just wondering whether any any of the guys you interviewed actually sort of mentioned any specific reasons why. See, they said you know a lot of them just went, "Can't believe it, he deserved it." But does any, anyone give any indication as to why they think he never got a call up? I'll probably say I like like all the people I spoke to. I'll probably say the one person who was really like I would say pissed off, but it really annoyed him. It was like Bobby Zamora. Yeah. Because he said, like, he was texting Roy Hosman saying, like, listen, like, Mark Noble deserves to be in the squad. Like, this guy's really good. Like, have a look at him, man. But you know what? Obviously, all all of us have, like, watched West Ham over the years. I actually think it's a West Ham thing. Like, if you look at West Ham and think it's a small club, like, we're going to call up a West Ham player to England squad. And you sort of get it with Declan Rice. I mean, we all know how talented he is. But whenever he plays for England, we're like, oh, this guy's overrated. He's not good enough. It's like, it's like a West Ham thing where, like, players think, just because you play for West Ham, you're not good enough. Mm. And I thought to an extent that sort of had an impact on Mark Noble not getting called up. For me personally, I feel like the 2015-16 um, season, that's, mm. that was Mark's golden 100%. chance. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was a golden chance. And I looked at some of the comments before I coming on this pod. And one guy was like, how is it Lewis Cook, Tom Huddleston, Tom Cleverley, I mean, Leon Osman, we've all played Jake three. Livermore. Jake Livermore, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Jake Livermore. And obviously, I know we're strikers, but even bloody David Nugent and, D- and Jay Boffroyd got a cap for England. I mean, yeah. just, you know what I mean? And as you mentioned, James, to not get called up for one squad, at least one squad, that's just outrageous. So, yeah, it's a great shame. And when I worked it out, Mark Noble actually played 47 games for England's youth team. So, from under 16 to under 23s. And to not get one call up is just outrageous. It really is. Shane, how do you think he will go down in West Ham, like legendary status? Because obviously, West Ham love an England player. He plays for us as well as winning a trophy. Do you think he'll be forgotten in, obviously, time, 10, 20 years? Or do you think he'll stick around for whatever? He definitely won't be forgotten. Absolutely, absolutely no chance. No way at all. And another thing I got from the piece as well, everyone's like, we need to appreciate him while he's here. Because mm-hmm. Martin Noble does a lot. And... I mean, me and James are talking about it on DM. It's, it's, it's crazy how many people, like, don't appreciate Martin Noble. They think he's not good enough. They think he's rubbish. It's like, do you actually watch him? Do you see what he does for West Ham? How he makes things tick? And I feel like, obviously, with West Ham safe now, if you look back on it, Martin Noble played a big part in, like, West Ham staying up, his leadership. You know, when the young players like Ngekia came in the squad, putting an arm around their shoulder and saying, this is how you do it. We saw the same thing with Ben Johnson as well. You know, making him feel uh, comfortable when he made his appearance. So, even if Mark Noble has a bad game, he still has a, an important presence in that dressing room. And I feel like when he does eventually retire, we'll definitely miss him, 100%. Mm-hmm. 
I totally agree with Shane. I think that's the, the thing people are, and understandably football fans, they see what happens on the pitch, don't they? And they think, oh, you know, he's getting on a bit. He's getting a bit old or he might be a bit past it. And fair enough. But I think Mark was ready going into this season to just be a squad player. That hasn't happened through no fault of his own. He came out after the West Brom Cup defeat, didn't he? And said, because he came on, he started on the bench and came on to try and save the game. And he said, this shouldn't be happening. I'm 32, 33 years old. I shouldn't be coming on to to save games in a cup game against lower league opposition. Um, yeah. what, do you, what do you think It's interesting? Just, just quickly, by the way, anyone listening at the moment who hasn't read Rashane's piece on The Athletic, do go back and give it a read because uh, it wasn't just interesting in the, in the West Ham sphere. There was a few retweets from a few of your very important bosses, yeah. Rashane. So I expect you... I was by surprise as well. I was shocked. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's certainly one to uh, worth going to look back on, West Ham fan or football fan in general. But Rashane, Mark's mentioned before how he, everyone goes, oh, you're going to go into management or the media. I've, I've heard some comments from Mark saying he wouldn't mind going into a bit more of a director of football sort of role. We've seen it with Edu, uh, Peter Cech at Chelsea, of course, Edu at Arsenal. Some of these former players going into those more senior boardroom levels or roles almost. Do you think that's the sort of thing Mark could do or do you think that's a way off? No, I definitely could see Mark doing that role because a few months ago, West Ham would do like a Q&A on the uh, Twitter feed and someone asked Mark, like, what do you want to do in the future? Punditry, management? And he's like, just my impression from that brief exchange, I don't think he has any interest in being a manager anytime soon, really. I don't think he has always been a pundit. So, and Bobby Zamora in the piece as well, he said like he, he can see Noble being like a director of football or having that sort of senior role at the club. And considering how long Mark's been there, he definitely deserves it. Like he's mm. seen them all come and go, like the crap signings, the okay signings, the good signings. He, he's, he's, seen, he's seen bloody Sononi Zaza, the whole lot of them. <laughs> he's seen all of them. So <laughs> I feel like he'll definitely do well in that role. And obviously, you can bring on his experience and identifying like young players or good players. And it's just to have that voice. No one cares about the club more than Martin Noble. I mean, you've got to tap into someone like that. And I feel like that can only be to benefit for West Ham. Jonesy, I, I know when we were talking, you, you do generally love Mark Noble with all of your heart, don't you? And I've, I've said on occasion, again, I... <laughs> I think his, his value is certainly off the pitch. But I, I've said on occasion, Rashane, that I think whilst everyone loves the Mr. West Ham tagline, and he obviously does love the club and care about the club. But I think he's been lucky, as of West Ham, that his level as a player has always kind of been at the same level West Ham have been at a club. I think if if we had stayed in the championship another year or two, he probably would have gone because he was clearly too good for the championship when we were in it last time. And, you know, if we were knocking on the door for European football every season, that perhaps, and perhaps what should have happened in the last season or two, if we'd have signed a top 10 level, European level central midfielder, like we did with Haller, he would have seen a lot more game time then and perhaps he would have uh, moved on. So I think we're lucky in that side of things. But what, what have you made from him, just before we let you go, what have you made of him this season? Because he's, he's got some stick. He's, he's, he's done all right the last couple of games where he's been moved up the pitch a little bit and Rice and, Rice and Suchek have done some of his running. What have you made of him this year? Because you've watched all the West Ham's games, obviously. Yeah, he played, he played number 10 role. I mean, he needs Eden Hazard. We have Mark Noble playing as a number 10. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's really good stuff. <laughs> yeah, as I say, like, he, he, for me, he's been, re- like, I would say really good, but he's had an impact on and off the pitch in that leadership role. And, I think the only bad game I can remember from Mark Noble having this season is the game away at Tottenham. 
when he was really poor that game, kept giving the ball away. Apart from that, I can't really count on one hand how many bad games I've seen from Mark this season. And what's really impressed me is, like, even games he's been, like, injured in, he's still there watching the team. I remember against Brighton in August, he was, I think he had a hamstring injury. And he was sat there in the press box with his son, urging the team on. It's like, he could have had a day off. He could have gone fishing or done whatever. Here he is watching West Ham. Against Chelsea, in like 3-2 in, injured again. Where's Mark in the stands watching the game? You know what I mean? He could have gone bloody... He could have gone anywhere. But here he is watching the team. So, uh, it's just so passionate. And that's another thing that's impressed me about him this season. In terms of moving forward, whether he'll be in a team on a regular basis, uh, I don't think so. I don't think he'll be um, like... I don't think he'll be the number one option in midfield moving forward because we've seen a great partnership with Rice and Suchek and I feel like that's the go-to in midfield right now. But I mean, if you want someone to come and have an impact in 20 minutes to go off the bench, then definitely Mark Noble. I feel like that's the role we'll see in Mark moving forward. Excellent. Rashane, it's an absolute delight to have you back on the podcast again. We've got to just ask you one question. It's got to be shotgun answer before you go. Yes or no? Is Declan Rice going to stay this summer? You better stay over Rice. I'll, I'll get very angry. <laughs> excellent Rashane thanks very much for joining us again we'll uh, look forward to having you on again soon but if uh, like I say anyone who hasn't read it already go and check out Rashane's piece on Mark Noble in the Athletics absolutely outstanding read Rashane pleasure to see you and stick with us because we've got Tony Carr the man who brought Mark Noble into West Ham's Academy with us next You are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. You just heard then from Roshane Thomas from The Athletics speaking about Mark Noble, the excellent feature piece he did on him. Gianfranco Zola comparing him to Andrea Pirlo and obviously chats with a couple of his teammates, Nicky Maynard and Jimmy Walker to name but two. And how welcome Mark made them feel when they arrived at the club. But now we are delighted to welcome once again to the We Are West Ham podcast, friend of the show, West Ham's academy director for many years, responsible for bringing Mark Noble to the club and bringing him through, as well as Joe Cole, Rio Ferdinand, Michael Carrick. You know the score. It's Tony Carr once again. Tony, first of all, thanks for joining us. How are you keeping? Yeah, all good, thanks. Yeah, just um, watching a little bit of the Watford game there and they get a bit of a hiding. So, <laughs> Another you know, one. we don't need any points or anything. So I think we're safe, the Hammers, so that's good. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Tony, you're joining us tonight because, of course, Mark Noble notched up 500 West Ham appearances in the Watford game when we beat them 3-1 the other Friday. What a huge achievement, just the 10th player to achieve that at West Ham. You know Mark better than most and have known him before he was, you know, Mr. West Ham, the West Ham captain, the man that all the fans love. Yeah. You, knew, you knew him as a kid, were involved in bringing him over from Arsenal. That sort of happened under your remit. What are your memories of him as a kid and how did that all come through, you know, bringing him from Arsenal in the first place? Well, I think obviously Mark was, I think he's said it himself, he's always been a Hammers fan, but... Um, was was training at, at various clubs, but was training at Arsenal. And, he, and the biggest problem he had was the journey. Once his dad finished work, getting him over to uh, uh, what it was at that time, Highbury, with, with the whole with the sports hall they had behind the North Bank, uh, or behind the clock end, I think it was the clock end, yeah, the JVC centre. And um, Jimmy Hampson, our chief scout at the time, um, heard that. Arsenal were bragging that Mark Noble was going to sign. We was always hopeful that he'd sign for us. So Jimmy said, well, I'm going around his house tonight and uh, I'm not leaving till he signs. 
which basically did happen. I asked Mark this a little while ago, or about a year ago now, and um, and he said, yeah, Jimmy came round, sat on the lounge floor playing with his brothers and sisters, and basically the bottom line was he wouldn't leave until Mark had signed signed the contract for West Ham, which he duly did. And uh, obviously Mark's, uh, Jimmy's patience paid off, and Mark's reward has been he's still there, played his 500th game, and is an absolute legend at the football club now. So, now, good on him. Local boy, made good and good luck to him. And he's the same lad now as he was then, really. Still with the same enthusiasm, still with the same hunger. Always, he's always He always had leadership qualities, was always bossing people around and wasn't never afraid to, to give his opinion in a, in a good way, not in a, in a disruptive way or a nasty way or just to be uh, awkward. He was always um, happy to give his opinion and wasn't afraid to speak his mind. And... Um, I think he's still the same today. Tony, you mentioned he's been such a great character, great servant, and sometimes he's a bit disrespected by the West Ham fan base or wider footballing world. What do you think it is about him which has not sort of got the credit he deserves? He's a brilliant player, should have played for England. And what do you think has been the reason why he hasn't had that? Yeah, I don't know, really. Um, I think, uh, you know, the, the season that he was an outstanding, he had an outstanding season, I think it was, 15, 16, was yeah. it the last season at Upton Park? Yeah. So he had a fantastic season. He was an absolute, you know, every game, Mr. 8 out of 10, every game, Mr. Consistency. Very, very influential, you know, in which was a good season for us. And um, he should have got the recognition, in my opinion. In my opinion, he should have got the recognition. He played every level for England, from schoolboy, right through, you know, all the age groups, right up to the 21s. And uh, all the coaches that had him, I mean, I've spoken to lots of them since, and they all loved him. They always say, as Mark, they always ask me, as Mark, what a great character, what a great lad. And uh, I'm sure certainly that season, he would have brought that um, that quality to England set up. As for other other fans, etc., I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know. I I, I don't really don't know. I can't even put my finger on it. Mm. Is it because he's not dynamic enough and... He don't maybe don't quite score enough goals um, from midfield to be what one would consider a top top player. Um, but no, I mean from West Ham's point of view, you know what a great acquisition and what a great servant he's been. Mm. So the West Ham fans love him, and I think that's all that matters to Mark. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you, Tony. And one thing I've always said is that I think I think even though. Since he made his debut, I think West Ham have had about what eight eight different sort of permanent managers, seven or eight managers, and uh, yeah. Mark Noble has survived every single one of those. He's been he's been either one of the first names on the team sheet or the captain under every single one of those managers since he made his debut for um, under Pardew. Uh, and I think that says a lot about um, who he is, not just as uh, as a player, but as a as an influence at the football club. Um, but one thing that um, one thing I wanted to ask you was, you know, he's made 500 appearances and, and that's a huge achievement. But do you think that we're beginning to see the last of players like Mark Noble in terms of staying at one club for for so long? And it's made a little bit more special given that he is a big West Ham fan, grew up just around the corner. Yeah. Um, but given the way that football is these days, is, is Mark Noble almost, players like Mark, Mark Noble a bit of a dying breed in football? I think it's, you're probably right. I think there's going to be very few... 13, 14, whatever age he was when he first came to West Ham um, and, and stay their whole career there. 
it's going to be it's very very unusual now and i think it, it as you say rightly say few and far between um and most managers have you know in the end taken even alan pardew he'd been on loan to ipswich and came back mark told me this himself i don't know if it's known but he came back to west ham from his loan spell at ipswich. he's only a young lad or younger lad and um mark said that Pard said to him, I'm, t I'm sending you out on loan again. So and Mark turned around and said, no, I ain't going. He said, I'm staying here. He said, because if I go out on loan again, I, you know, I, I end up getting too distant from, from the club. West Ham's my club. I want to make my mark here. I want to stay here and fight for my place. So that's, that's, that's typical of Mark, speaking his mind, being honest, being up front. A lot of other young players would have said, oh, OK, I'll go out on loan again. But no, Mark said, no, I'm staying here. I'm, this is the club I want to play for. I want to prove myself. And, and uh, he, he turned uh, Alan Pardew down and um, and in the end won the battle, won the battle with Pards. Pards put him, you know, he obviously became a regular under Pards and um, basically been there ever since. So you know, that shows you the mark of the, mark of the, mark of the boy, really, because, you know, he, he speaks his mind. He knows his mind. He's, you know, he's had, he's had games and spells where he's, not been brilliant and he's made mistakes like every player in, in the country. But, you know, you talk about Mr. Consistency and Mr. Reliability. And that's the, that's the one thing all managers want is consistency and reliability. And then they know when you put you out on the pitch, what they're going to get. And basically, you know, when you put Mark out on the pitch, you know what you're going to get. You can get 100% effort. You can get 100% commitment. He may not always be the best player on the park, but he's, you know, he's not going to be shy away from the ball. You know, he has spoken at times to me about, you know, during our days when we had been struggling um, and he got the ball a couple of times and looked forward and no one wanted the ball and he could see players turning away from him. So he's had to turn back and basically play back to the keeper. You know, and the crowd end up reacting to that. Play forward, get it forward. And he's, you know, it made him look badly, but then it was other players perhaps not pulling their weight at that particular time. So... Um, no, Mr. Consistency, Mr. Reliability. You know, I can't speak highly enough of Mark. You know, he's coming at the 500 club and alongside, you know, Stevie Potts, who's still there. I think he was, maybe, was he the last one to do it? Or I'm not sure. But uh, anyway, Potts is there as the under-23s coach. And um, yeah, he's joined a great club and can't praise him highly enough. Tony, you've, you've known, I know you still live, live near Mark in Essex at the moment. You've known him a, a great yeah. number of years so you'll have seen basically how he's developed from a child into the man he is now i think i read something yeah. about teddy sheringham said about mark noble that when he first met him when mark was still a young lad a teenager i think and he said he was like a 45 year old man's head on a 19 year old's body but how have you <laughs> seen him you know him away from the pitch as well obviously uh, as a as a bloke as well as a footballer how have you seen mark yeah. sort of develop that some of the fans might not have seen I think he's always been an old head on young shoulders. And I think, you know, 45-year-old on a 19-year-old wasn't strong in it a bit, but I know exactly what you're saying. He's, um, he's definitely, he's a thinker. He thinks things through. He's got his opinions. Um, rightly or wrongly, he's not afraid to voice those opinions. You know, he's, as he's the captain, he takes the responsibility. He's always first... In the, you know, in the media centre, even when we've been beaten heavily, you know, he's, he's happy to go, or not happy, but, you know, he's always gone into the, 
press conferences and and upfront and been there and been honest and, and open about how how he feels and how the team have played and etc. And, and what he sees the future. He's always been open and honest about that. And you know, and he's not afraid to do that in, even in the dressing room, even in the youth team. You know, in m- most youth team games, I mean, I'd stand in the dressing room before or after the game, but very few players would say too much because you know they're young kids learning the game and. They don't want to put their head above the parapet and say something they think's wrong. But Mark's always been, you know, don't you think we could do this, Tony? Or don't you think we could do that? Yeah, that's not bad. I'll oh, think about that. Or, yeah, that's good. We'll do that. Um, you know, so he's always been um, a thinker and, and not afraid to speak his mind, even as a young, young player. And he's taken that through, really. And he's, and he's basically now just matured into this confident captain, legend, and they call him Mr. West Ham now, and you know, and, and let's be honest, there's not many that could say that about any players about mm. Mr. West Ham. There's one or two you could you could say, but not many. And and for him to get that that level of and that status amongst the crowd, the crowd, and even I noticed that the board this week, or David Sullivan and David Golden, had made a um, a statement after the Watford game, saying that um, what a great servant he's been, what a great um, ambassador he's been. What a great leader! What a great captain he's been, etc. Now, giving him all the praises under the sun, which is, with respect, coming from the, coming from them too, is is uh, some accolade. Mm. Tony, uh, hopefully it never comes this day. But what do you think he'll do when he actually eventually hangs up the boots? Do you think he'll stick around the club, or or what do you think he he wants to do? Yeah, I mean, I did ask him this actually not long ago, and said to him, you know, your, your days are not your days are not numbered, but you know, you've got less in front of you than you have got behind you, you know. So he, he, he's maybe got a couple of years. Um, I don't know what the length of his contract is at this point. But um, he's certainly, you know, got more to offer or, or something to offer the team. And I said to him, would you want to be a manager? Would you want to be a coach? And he, he wasn't sure. He wasn't sure whether he wanted to do it or not. The only thing he said was that um, that if he did do it, he'd do it on his terms. He'd do it... Um, you know, he had set his stall out. This is what I can offer you. This is what I'm prepared to do. You know, if that's not enough, fine. And I know he's, um, and I think, you know, he would love at one, at one at one point to be manager or the first team coach at West Ham. I know he would. But he'd do it on his terms. And um, because he, he wouldn't need to do it, let's be honest about these young lads nowadays, mm. you know, financially they're set for life. He's got business in, in, um, in a building company. Well, he and, lives near uh, you, Tony, to doesn't he? So he's obviously yeah. all right for a few quid. Yeah, he's, oh, yeah he's, he lives in Sheffield or Hutton Mountain. <laughs> that way, you know, so, yeah, they're more expensive than where I am. I'm a little bit further up the road. <laughs> he's, um, yeah, you know, he's, um, he's done well and good luck to him. And So if football didn't work out, he's got one or two business interests that um, you know, he'd turn his hand to. But I'm sure whatever he does, he'll still be involved in some way with the club. I'm, I'm almost certain that. A little bit like Brooklyn is now, you know, with Trevor, he's, you know, he sits in the director's box. He's like um, um, the, the, the go-to man when the ball, they always bring Trevor in and occasionally Billy goes, Bonzo goes occasionally. But I'm sure, you know, if he's not on the coaching or, or the football side, I'm sure they'd use him in some capacity or involve him in some capacity at the club. It'd be silly if they don't. Because he's got a lot to offer. 
Absolutely. That's the, exactly what you said right there at the end. It'd be silly. What a huge waste that would be. We had Tony Gale on not too long ago. You know, the, he was he was talking to us about um, Trevor Brook in particular, but then also Billy Bonds and what a waste of, you know, a great man. I know Billy was a bit more quiet and wouldn't perhaps like that life as much, but um, as an ambassadorial mm. figure for the club, Billy Bonds would have made a, a great one, oh, as I'm sure hope as hopefully will will mark, of course. Tony, just before we let you go, I always appreciate you coming on, especially on topics like this where you know more than more than most and uh, it's, it's brilliant to hear your views on it. Just one thing, Mark's midfield partner this season. I've spoken to you at length about it in the past, but not for some time. Declan Rice, he was the last sort of big superstar yeah. who came through while you were still at the club. What, yeah, so, what right. do you make yeah, of the not, situation with Declan? Yeah. What do you make of that situation at the moment, yeah. especially coming into the transfer window? Yeah, I'm a little bit concerned. I have to say, I mean, I hope he stays with I hope he stays with West Ham. I really do, because he's he's now developing into, you know, a top player. You know, his goal the other night was terrific. They talk about the goalkeeper, but it was in the net for the goalkeeper could move. It was he did it so well. He bent it and with power and pace. It was a great, great goal and. You could see the look on his face, the, the pleasure it gave him, and the hug he gave to David Moyes at the, you know, on the touchline when the third goal went in. I think that that sends great signs and signals. He's happy there. He wants to stay there. I'm sure he does. And the club have now come out and said he's not going anywhere. He's he's, he's going to stay. But you know, unfortunately, what happens, and we all know what happens, is that their agents get involved. I'm not saying this is Declan's agent because I don't know who he is. But um, agents get involved, and if someone says, look, we're going to double your money, double your wages, if you come to us, it's, it's hard to turn down, isn't it? You know, it's, mm. and, and, and let loyalty be the deciding factor. That's hard to turn down. So I hope he doesn't come to that. I hope he, he just comes out and says, I'm happy to start West Ham. I'm still developing as a player. They've brought me from you know, obscurity, bringing a release from Chelsea, going nowhere, into the England team. And, um, you know, the promise we gave him when we signed him was, what, you know, if you show the development we believe you've got, we'll fast-track you into the team. You know, that, that was the mantra. We, now, that was the message we sold him because there was one or two other clubs that were sniffing around him, Fulham for one. And uh, Fulham were in the Premier League at that time as well. So, you know, we've fulfilled our promise, the club, in terms of developing him and bringing him in, bringing him into the team, he's now an integral part of that team. You know, in some respects, he's, he's taking Mark's mental over. He's going to take Mark's mental over time and become a future captain, I'm sure, if he stays. So, my message is: if if Dex ever ever sees this or hears this, stay where you are, pal. And if you, you're young enough, and there's still plenty of time to go to the big guns, just keep establishing yourself, being a regular in a team. You're in the England team. You don't need to go anywhere else to get in the England team. You're in the England team because you're in West Ham's first team. And um, I think the only factor would have been if we'd have got relegated. I think that would have been, I think that would have been the, the sticky factor there. I think he, I think he would have gone then. But I'm hopeful he'll stay now. You know, we're, we're, we are assured of a Premier League place. So um, I'm almost, uh, I say certain, I don't know, but I'm very, very hopeful he'll stay. 
Just, uh, I mean, what what better uh, what better plea could we possibly have? Uh, Tony, our academy director at West Ham for all those years, pleading with Declan Rice to stick on at the club. And I think Tony too. You know what? All the fans would love him to stay forever and love him to be captain and all that sort of thing. But if he's got the talent yeah. he's got, and there's talks of you know only lower rumblings, but that Barcelona are keeping like preliminary tracks on him to to see what might happen in four or five years. And I think ultimately yeah. he's on forty thousand pound ish a week at the moment. The, the club should double his money this summer. Give him 80 they can afford that keep him for another year yeah. and then if next summer you know he's still progressing like he is now and Man City or Chelsea come in with 80 to 100 million quid then you know it's, it's, it's one of those situations that's uh, yeah. you, you can see coming but Tony Carr thank you very much as always for joining us on the We Are West Ham podcast it's okay, always man. a pleasure always a pleasure to hear your thoughts especially about someone like Mark we hope to hear, hear from you again very soon um, but stick with us because next up we're looking ahead to the Manchester United game tomorrow with Matt Beadle former presenter of the Man United show on Love Sport Radio next You are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. And we were just joined by Tony Carr, West Ham icon, academy director for all of those years, talking about how he brought Mark Noble through. He's known him for years. Mark Noble is a man, 500 games for West Ham. But more importantly, or as importantly, probably at the end, Tony Carr issuing a plea to Declan Rice to please stay at West Ham for one more season. And if Declan's going to listen to anyone, surely... He's going to listen to the man who was responsible for making him the player he is today after he was released from Chelsea at 14. Saved from the mire by West Ham, the heroic Tony Carr and his merry men has turned Declan Rice into an England centre midfielder that we see today. But that's enough of Declan Rice. That's enough of Mark Noble. We've got some football games to talk about again on the We Are West Ham podcast. And whilst the West Ham players would probably be forgiven for being on the beach already, the Manchester United players certainly won't. West Ham travel to Old Trafford to face United. I'm delighted to say we're joined by Matt Beadle, the former presenter of the Men United fan show on Love Sport Radio, the old show that you used to listen to the We Are West Ham podcast on as well. You will have heard Matt before. He stood in and presented a couple of our shows. Matt, thanks for joining us. First things first, we'll jump straight into it. How are you feeling about tomorrow? Hmm. Yeah, good to be on, gents. Lovely to uh, to see you all. Of course, this is over Zoom, so I'm seeing your fine faces. What a wonderful time it is. <laughs> what a pleasure. Tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm disappointed about the weekend and Chelsea because, you know, you just said it there, West Ham could be forgiven for thinking that they might be on the beach. Manchester United certainly are not. Why? Because of the top four. Whoopee-doo. I mean, if we're going to talk about plastic poppy cockery of modern football the, the the race for the top four who wants to finish fourth and then go into the champions league next season and i know that i have the luxury of saying that as a manchester united fan and you might say crikey we'd give anything to finish fourth and get into the champions league but you ask the majority of real manchester united fans i'd say and they'd rather have a trophy they'd rather have the fa cup and to go out in the fashion that united went out at the weekend to chelsea was extremely disappointing so tomorrow yeah it is what it is I'm not overly fussed about the Premier League right now I think that by not winning the FA Cup Oli has now put a lot of pressure on himself to get into the top four and if he doesn't do that then there is huge pressure to then win the Europa League so for me I think going gung-ho to win the FA Cup would have been my ideal scenario I know that he's come out since and said I put a team out 
that would have prepared us to won that game and to win the game against West Ham on Wednesday. But I don't know. Tinker, man. He tinkered. Matt, what do you think? I mean, you say, you say he's a bit of a tinker man there. Um, I mean, I looked at it and thought, well, surely top four is probably uh, the more obvious out of the two, given the see, Europa League, well, winning the FA Cup only gets you the Europa League rather than the Champions League. Um, it's interesting to hear that, and obviously I know trophies are, are the be and end all to, to most fans, but it's interesting to hear that wouldn't, you're not that happy about the fact that you could still... You, technically prioritise Champions League over the FA Cup. What is it that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer essentially did wrong? Because, I, I mean, I think he's probably one of the, one of the most up-and-coming, most po- positive managers in the Premier League, given the form that United are in. That's just because yeah. he's always got a smile on his face. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he has sorry, got an infectious man. smile. <laughs> sorry, man. <laughs> I mean, no, no, look, small disclaimer, I guess. First and foremost, the fact that VAR and five subs and drink breaks has rendered the entire campaign obsolete is, is we'll just let that one go, shall we? I mean, the whole thing's pretty inconsequential, but that's not why we're here. We're here to talk about football in the here and the now. And the weekend, he... I'd also like to say I love Ollie, by the way. We are playing the best football without a shadow of a doubt that we've played since Sir Alex Ferguson. Even in that mm. final campaign as well, that 2012-13 campaign, the football that we're playing right now is better than we were playing back then. Certainly more pleasing on the eye to watch. So I love Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer. I've always campaigned for Ollie. I want him to remain as Manchester United manager. In terms of what he did wrong at the weekend... You can argue it both ways because he'll come out and say, listen, I played a back three in two of the three games that we've beaten Chelsea this season. So I went with that again. I think Frank Lampard was quite surprised about it. And he spoke after the game. He said their system actually matched ours. And that was kind of lucky for us. I didn't expect them to put that team out. The fact that United have come back from lockdown and played in the way that they have with real free-flowing football, with Martial, with Rashford, with Greenwood, with Pogba, Matic and Bruno Fernandes and that back four. Yes, you've got David De Gea. We might talk about him. I don't know. But I, for one, prefer momentum. And I think if he'd gone that way against Chelsea, especially the fact that we've beaten them three times already this season, we would have stood in good stead. But then you also have the law of averages. And I fully believe that in, in football as well, especially amongst your top teams, that the law of averages, we've played them four times. We've beaten them three times. At some point, you're going to lose. Looking ahead to next year, Matt, your front six is arguably one of, if not the best in the league at the minute, for sure. Do you feel like you need a defensive overhaul to really go for the title or just some of them find confidence? Because Maguire and De Gea are getting hammered by the looks of it by United fans and potentially not good enough or are they good enough and you just need a few little bits of bobs to make it the real deal? De Gea is good enough. He's a good enough goalkeeper. There are a multitude of factors contributing to his drop-in form at the moment. And we're not inside the head. And until he comes out and actually says, this is the problem at the moment, we're not going to know. It could be his mindset. It could be the fact that he's had to go through numerous goalkeeper coaches. It could be the fact that Emilio Alvarez, his former goalkeeper coach, came out last week and said, listen, I didn't want to work with David De Gea anymore. He was disloyal to me. He doesn't seem, in terms of his, his posture, in terms of his stance, in terms of the way that he presents himself, he doesn't seem like he's lacking confidence. It's just maybe concentration in the same way that we're seeing with Jordan Pickford as well. It's just those small technical faults like that second goal from Mason Mount that seems to be failing David De Gea at the moment. Personally, I'd get him out of the side. I'd give him a break, much like United did with Peter Schmeichel in his last campaign, to be fair. So Alex said, just go away. Go away for a couple of weeks. Get your head right. 
and come back stronger. And he did, and he was brilliant that season before he obviously departed. Victor Lindelof, I don't think, is top, top-level centre-back. I haven't thought that since he joined. He's the kind of player who will produce you a nine every four or five games. And everyone goes, well, I tell you what, that's why they paid 40-odd million for him. And then for the rest of the time, the next three or four games, he's a six. Sometimes he's a five. Harry Maguire, I like a lot. I, I want to stand by Harry Maguire. I think when you, you spend 85 million on a centre-back, you've got to kind of stick with him and, and be loyal and, and hope that he's going to produce the form. He didn't play well at the weekend, but he has played well in parts this season. Aaron Wambasaka, brilliant. Keep him. That's your, your right back for the next 10 years. And Saturday, I did think showed that without Luke Shaw, and people might go, what? What are you talking about? But without Luke Shaw, since we came back, he's been integral to the way the United have played, especially down that left, linking up with Marcus Rashford and Bruno Fernandes and Paul Pogba coming in as well. And Brandon Williams didn't have a particularly good game at the weekend. So I'm happy with Luke Shaw as well. I think you've got Luke Shaw and Aaron Wan-Bissaka as two young fullbacks there who can be your fullbacks for the next five, six, seven, eight years. Well, Matt, you mentioned Lindelof there and you're sort of a bit of an analogy for this podcast. You are the nine amongst us three who are the fours, fives and sixes, unfortunately. But just to throw forward... for yourself, mate. (laughs) I'll let you two decide who's who at the end of the pod. But just to throw forward, Matt, to tomorrow, uh, obviously you'll be hoping that... uh, or. Manchester United fans who do actually want to qualify for the Champions League. Obviously, we won't include you in that bracket anymore. But you will be hoping that West Ham take it a bit easy. Obviously, in our topsy-turvy season, we've beaten, done the double over Chelsea. Got a good result against you earlier in the campaign at London Stadium as well. How do you see the game going? I think it's probably going to be quite open. I think you say, yeah, you beat us earlier on in the season and, and fully deserved to beat us. I haven't done the double, what, 2006-7, would it be? Tevez, yeah. final day of the season. I think you did us at Upton Park as well that season, didn't you? So you've got previous when you've beaten us earlier on in the season. I, I think it's going to be open. I actually think there's going to be goals. David De Gea, by the way, if he gets a clean sheet tomorrow, I think he surpasses Peter Schmeichel in terms of his clean sheets for Manchester United. So whether that's a reason for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to put him in or not, I don't know. Whether Sergio Romero is going to come in, I don't know. But I think, judging by De Gea's confidence at the moment, I can see you scoring, judging by our back line at the moment. And it depends whether he reverts back to four at the back, I think. Uh, it's going to be Maguire and Lindelof because Bailly is out after that injury at the weekend. He's OK, but he's out. I think, in terms of a, a prediction... I, I, well, we'll I do... We'll do okay, predictions sorry, sorry, uh, at the end. <laughs> Jumping the gun. Yeah, well, it's interesting you, you say about open play. And I think with Mikel Antonio, top scorer since uh, lockdown or in the Premier League since lockdown, obviously the four goals against Norwich helped, but he's playing with, with a massive spring in his step. Can't, can't stop scoring at the moment. And I think it could go either way as far as West Ham concerned. We could play now with that freedom of, you know what, we're not getting relegated. Therefore, it comes back to Sting United because we're just playing with some freedom and without that pressure anymore. Or it could be the classic West Ham on the beach. But as you were just about to commit to just then, we'll do a a quick round, Robin. We'll get the boys' thoughts as well before we let you go. Uh, So, Matt, your score prediction, first of all. I think that it might be, with all the added extras, by the way, David Moyes obviously returning to Manchester United and following on from his comments, of course, that Ollie was given... Only was given time. All right, David. Yeah, you signed Marouane Fellaini. Anyway, 
<laughs> Still bitter about that one, yeah. <laughs> bitter about Fellaini. But some people aren't. Some people think that, you know, he was a great asset to Manchester United. We'll brush past it. That's for another day. I think that seeing as Thomas Suchek seems to score in every single game now, World Player of the Year, if West Ham bungles into the box as basic and, you know, as obvious as that sounds, with David De Gea in the form he is at the moment and the defence not looking as strong after the weekend, there's a good chance Suchek could get on the score sheet. I'm going to say 2-2. Oh, nice. Tom, quick one. Uh, 3-2 United. I think we'll be 2-1 up. They'll come back. Jonesy? Uh, I'm, I'm just going to hop back to the days where I always went for a Desmond. So, like Matt, I'm going to go for a Desmond as well. Well, that is spooky, actually, because that's three Desmonds. I don't know if there's a word for three Desmonds, is there? There's got to be a fancy word in Latin or something somewhere, tri- isn't there? Tri- for triple two-two, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that'll do, James. That'll do. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm having two all as well. Well, Matt, it will be intriguing to see what happens tomorrow. Like you say, to do the double over United would be a huge achievement for us. David Moyes came out in the week and, and said in his pre-match press conference didn't he that the difference between me and Oli was he was given more time well we'll, we're not sure too many Man United fans quite agree with that one however he did go on in that interview to be very gushing about United say what a great club it is it's the biggest and best in the world so intriguing to see what happens tomorrow I think uh, it'd certainly be an open game it'd be interesting to see how West Ham approach it lots of pressure on United of course but Matt we do we do appreciate you joining us it's lovely to have you back with us again and hear your dulcet tones reminiscing of the of the old love sport radio days but in case you were wondering we haven't been able to get an Aston Villa guest tonight we just had too many people to talk to the Mark Noble loving Tony Carr and Rashane Thomas from The Athletic we've now had Matt Beadle former Manchester United fan show presenter on love sport radio but next we've got the age old feature everyone's favorite is the rogue mystery players quiz next you are still listening to the we are west ham podcast with me will pew tom edwards and james jones and what a show it has been tonight absolutely jam-packed with guests a couple of weeks ago all we could serve up was me and james on either end of the Zoom call. Tom abandoned us, so did all of our guests, and it was just me and Jonesy, like the old days, exchanging views. But not tonight. We've had Rashane Thomas from The Athletic. We've had Tony Carr, Academy Director at West Ham, still a friend of Mark Noble, the man who was responsible for bringing him through. And we talked about all of Mark's 500 games and what he's been like, how he's changed with Tony. And then we had Matt Beadle to talk about the Manchester United game tomorrow. This meant we simply did not have time for an Aston Villa opposition view this week. The podcast is going to be long enough as it is, and I'm sure you've had enough of our voices for one more week. However, one thing we simply could not cut from the running order, from the schedule, it is, of course, the Rogue Mystery Players quiz. Reese Bayliss joined us last week. This week, no Reese. Just back to Tom and James again. Tom's been in excellent form. Back to just Tom and James, head to head now. Tom, how are you feeling? Like we said, mate, it can, it can change quickly. And last week was a bit of a harsh wake-up call for me. I got done by both of them quite, uh, quite severely. So, listen, mate, it's all about bouncing back, isn't it? Absolutely. Tom drawing a blank last week. But Josie, mm. coming up, Trump's beating uh, with a 2-1-0 victory. Two for you, one point for Reese. And none for Tom. You feel like you're back in the game or are you nervous going into the, the original format? Yeah, no, I'm feeling confident now. As I keep saying every week, um, sort of, it's just a fitness exercise for me during this pre-season, uh, pre-quiz season break. Um, and I feel like just getting that first win just shows that, you know, the fitness is beginning to come back a little bit and uh, looking forward to the, the, the obligatory uh, 
end of season one next week where sort of it's like a sponsor's trophy. I don't know, like Betway Cup. Uh, we need Someone's to find testimonial. <laughs> yeah, we need to find a, a sponsor or, or something like that but between now and next week to, uh, to make it official. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I, this is probably a good time to tell everyone listening at home that next week we will be doing the podcast together for the first time in quite some time, or certainly since since lockdown and coronavirus changed all of our lives. We, uh, we'll obviously be socially distant, but we are going to do it together and we're going to uh, go for those end of season beers that we've been talking about for a very long time. They should have came, of course, at the end of the regular season in May and at the end of the We Are West Ham podcast season. James and I decided to keep the pod going during lockdown and uh, we've enjoyed it and we certainly hope that you lot at home have enjoyed listening. I will be buying James the four pints that I unfortunately owe him for beating me in the real, the legit We Are West Ham Rogue Mystery Players quiz that we ran all through the regular season. So James will be getting four pints off of me after the recording next week. But me and the lads will be having two or three weeks off uh, just to give ourselves a little bit of a break, give ourselves a recharge. We're not going to be rattling through the generic transfer news. So you'll have a show next week. The week after that, we'll have a break. We'll give you more details about it then. But for now, let's get straight to it. The Rogue Mystery Players quiz. Tom Edwards versus James Jones. This is player number one, clue number one. This player played at the highest level in Germany, Belgium, Japan, and his home country. Clue number two. He represented his national team 11 times between 1998 and 2003. I will not be giving you the national team just yet because it will give it away. Clue number three. This centre-back came through Ajax's Youth Academy. Clue number four. This six foot three inch, 43 year old played for Leeds and Portsmouth in England after he left West Ham in 2002. Not a single guess at the end of clue four from either of the boys and fingers on buzzers time because this is clue number five and I'm almost certain one of you will get it from this. Clue number five, he is currently assistant manager at Perth Glory where he also played after retirement. Oh. Hayden Fox. It is Hayden Fox. James Jones well picks it up. One guess. One one guess for the whole round from either of you. Well of course, Hayden Fox, the Australian centre-back. Do you remember much about Hayden Fox? We'll talk about him after. You know what we'll talk about him after. It's still yeah. dramatic times. 1-0 to James Jones. Straight Pressure to on. the next one. Player number two, clue number one. This Premier League winner's middle name, and I know James likes these clues, is Michael. Colton Cole. <laughs> it's not Colton <laughs> Cole. <laughs> Clue number two. This player played for two of the current big six in England, and one of these teams is where West Ham loaned him from. Clue number three. This 36 cap England international is currently up a mountain with Joe Cole. Clue Trevor number Sinclair. four. It's not Trevor Sinclair. Clue number four. This defender played for Sunderland, Brighton and Reading after West Ham. Clue number five. And once again, this is where you're going to get it. Not a single guess from the boys so far. Clue number five. He doesn't like John Terry very much. Wayne Bridge. Anton. 
James Jones. about to come out my mouth. Thank God you did that. <laughs> There's a, obviously a long list of people in your mind, Tom, of people who oh, don't like John Terry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, my whole house. But I think that might just be my favourite clue that I've put together since doing the We Are West Ham quiz. Although well I did done. think one of you lads would have got it at the moment. But yeah, up a mountain at the moment with Joe Cole. All I've seen on Joe Cole's Instagram stories for the past over the past week or so, he's uh, he's decided to have a little break away from football, do a bit of travelling, and he was uh, yeah up a mountain in Switzerland or something last week on his Instagram story. So pretty exciting. James, you've taken the win. For this week, it seems the tides have turned. Tom yeah. Edwards, that week off, you had the, the break in continuity, not doing you any favours, but to retain a bit of pride, this is player number three, clue number one. This player was in Arsenal's Youth Academy. Yeah, right. Incorrect. Mark Noble. <laughs> Tom Sorry. Edwards, that is correct. No way. <laughs> yes. I was thinking he's <laughs> <laughs> oh, That was me thinking I was being all clever. I'm going to read out the other four clues, but Tom Edwards, after just... clue number one, James Jones is in bits. He didn't even mean it either. Oh, I didn't. <laughs> no. I was literally got his goal his head was cut. Down. Yeah, he's got a goal come off his ass. That is a yeah. That is a shot from fifty. That's that Neil Mellor volley that he yeah. scored from Liverpool when he admitted afterwards he was just shattered, so he shanked it. I'm going to read out the rest of the clues anyway because I thought they were really clever. This player has also played for Ipswich and Hull City. Clue number three. Although eligible, oh, eligible to play for Ireland through his grandparents, he played for his country at every level from under 16, but rejected a call up to the Irish national first team. This player has been teammates with Don Hutchinson and Carlos Tevez during his time at West Ham and recently clocked up 500 appearances for the club. I thought what better way to end the Mark Noble loving the celebration of his 500 appearances for West Ham than with a, with a clever little quiz answer at the end. But Tom Edwards has seen straight through it or more than likely he's just shouted out a name that he thought might be right and got it out of nowhere. But lads, it's been an absolutely brilliant show tonight. Really enjoyed it. Very busy. Great guests as always. Rashane Thomas, uh, Tony Carr, Matt Beadle. Thanks to all three of those. Rashane and uh, Tony, of course. Absolutely brilliant to hear their thoughts. Too many know West Ham inside out in, in different ways, of course, but it's brilliant to to have them on. Just get some final thoughts then, Josie. Ahead of the end of the season is coming up. West Ham are going to stay up in the Premier League. We've got Manchester United tomorrow and then Aston Villa at the weekend. We've done your score predictions for United. What are your general thoughts sort of heading into the end of the season? Before I do those, you asked us earlier about sort of what we remember of Hayden Fox. And um, yes. the, the only thing, the only, the only two things I remember: one that he was ginger, mm. uh, and two that there was that story that came out in the papers that didn't he get caught urinating on a bar in a nightclub once? Um, <laughs> Excellent. I, I think, yeah, I, I mean, it sounds really, really bad, but I think if you Google it, there is a story. It was in the papers, and uh, one of the most, I think, it was the only significant he did while he was in London. Um, as you do. Uh, but anyway, on to my predictions. Um, I think at United, as I said earlier, at Desmond is probably yeah. uh, will be a very, very good result. Um, and then that takes us into what was supposed to be uh, a winner takes all, winner, the winner stays up clash that could end up being a complete nothing game uh, by the time it comes around. But I think I think we've got enough to beat Villa. We're, we're, in, we're in good form. Um, love to score goals at the moment, don't we? Goals coming out of their ears for once. Um, so I, I reckon we'll win that one 3 1. 3 1 in the Aston Villa game, says Jonesy. Tom Edwards, similar sort of feeling? 
Yeah, similar sort of feeling. I'd like us, yeah, I'd like us to finish the season strong. There's no no real turnaround, so momentum is a thing. If we finish this strong, win, pick up points at United, win against Villa, score some goals. There's only what is it a month or so before the next season kicks off. So I'd like to see us finish strong, create our identity a bit more, get more of a feel for what Moyes is going to do with us because it's inevitable he's going to be in charge. So just keep the good momentum, good feeling going, and hopefully put some goals in. What you uh, so? What are your thoughts in for Aston Villa? You got a prediction? Two one, two one, two one to West Ham. Three one. Josie saying, I'd like. To, I can't see us uh, not scoring against Aston Villa. I'd be surprised if they score against us. So I'm going to say a nice, a nice convincing three 0 which is obviously a bit of a change of tune for me from usual. But it's been a brilliant show tonight, James. I've just checked while you were telling us your views. Then Hayden Fox did in fact. Uh, we on a bar in a London nightclub during the West Ham Christmas party in December 2001. There, uh, there, were no, there were no fights or yelling of abuse or anything. What I did was wrong and got blown right out of proportion as if it was a huge event. You do have a few drinks at the Christmas party. I'm not saying that to promote drinking, but it was a case of the lads enjoying themselves. Some people are taking it lightheartedly and some are taking it the other way. I can't turn back the clock, even though it's something I'm not proud of. I apologise to the club and the players. And of course, it embarrassed my family because it got back to Australia as well. Well, there you have it. What a great note to end this podcast of all podcasts. And we're approaching the end of the season. Me, James and Tom are certainly on the beach already, like most of the players are. But we'll still be bringing you the show next week. So from us three, Hayden Fox, Shane Thomas, Tony Carr, who of course pled Declan Rice to stay with the Hammers and Matt Beadle on the Man United show. Thanks very much for joining us. West Ham are staying up, up the Hammers. And we'll see you next week. Hello there, I'm Tony Gow and you're listening to We Are West Ham podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.